Hello, my name is Michael Dugan. Welcome to The Change Code. This is a podcast empowering human beings to master change. When I was a young boy, and I lived in Anchorage, Alaska, and my dad had a friend that was a dentist, and I grew up with five siblings. I was the oldest sibling, and my dad's dentist friend had five siblings. And it's funny, they were in the same order. I was the son, and then the youngest was the son, and then three females in between. And the dentist buddy had the oldest son, the youngest son, and three ladies in between. And I was over at the dentist house, and the mother, you know, when I was young, she was a beautiful woman, and she had made everybody vanilla milkshakes. And when she made vanilla milkshakes for all of these kids, and I'm not sure if all of us were there or not, and then she put some in the glass, what happened is there's a little bit of vanilla milkshake in the bottom of that blender and I drank my milkshake really fast so I'd be next in line for that little bit of vanilla milkshake that was in the bottom of that blender. And she could see right through my game. You know, she could see what this young, selfish, greedy little boy was doing, <laughs> drinking his vanilla milkshake as fast as he could in hopes of securing that last little bit of milkshake, the vanilla milkshake. And and so I teach, you know, sometimes to people that I know a vanilla milkshake, like if there's some food that you really like, like when I was together with my, my last wife and I told her the story of the vanilla milkshake and we were at a Thai restaurant and I wanted to get a little bit of her Thai restaurant, but she looked at me and she said, it's a bit of a vanilla milkshake. <laughs> and so sometimes people um, can get territorial over things when they become scarce. And we saw this illustrated in COVID and the principle is known as the scarcity principle. And when things are scarce, they become more valuable. And years ago, I would remember, you know, I bought this book called When Violence is the Answer, I think by a man named Tim Larkin. And, and sometimes they say the best part of the book is the most important part of the book is the title of the book. And I think that's a fantastic title, When Violence is the Answer, because it invokes, you know, it's a question in a way, and it invokes thought, well, when is violence the answer? And the summation of the book was that violence is never the answer unless somebody is trying to kill you, and then violence is the only answer because your job is to stay alive. And I'm not saying this is true for somebody like Gandhi or Martin Luther King or Muhammad or Jesus Christ or Joseph Smith. But it kind of makes logical sense that, you know, when, when you have somebody that's trying to take your family out, your job is to take them out. That was the premise of the book. And then with books, they would go ahead and send you to a website. And I got on a website and the website was a website for doomsday preppers, for people that wanted to prepare for the end, prepare for Third World War, prepare for an EMF pulse, prepare for any sort of natural disaster or any sort of conspiracy theory. So they're prepping, prepping, prepping. In a way, when you think about a prepper, you know, they're, they're hoping something will go wrong. So they're the only one that's prepared. So they're kind of waiting, hoping, you know, kind of hoping that something bad will happen. But the point is, is I ordered one of these doomsday prep courses 
And this goes into the survival brain, the lizard brain, the amygdala, how it wants to always protect us, always focus on what's wrong. That's where you've heard me say before, or you've heard somewhere, with the news, if it bleeds, it leads. They're going to put the worst thing on the news in order to have us pay attention to it so that we keep on going back so that the news stays alive. Or that's where if you do a hundred good things one day and one thing that's challenging, before you go to bed, you'll probably think about the challenging thing because the brain that wants to keep us alive is going to focus on the challenging thing. And so when you get like these doomsday prepper courses that they, what they're going to do is play on the human emotion that needs to survive. And they're going to teach you things that are going to help you survive. And and so I was aware of what was going on with my psychology, and it was very, very interesting stuff, what, what I was learning with the Doomsday Prep course, or that I think I initially signed up for and even bought a couple of their things. And it, and it was interesting, and just a, a little side outtake, my, in my mind, what we think about is what we bring about. So if you're thinking about Doomsday Prep, based on what I just said, you're bringing around, you're bringing a doomsday to you. What you think about, you bring about, or what you believe is what you perceive. If you believe the end is near, that's what you're going to perceive is the end is near. And, but one, they said a lot of logical stuff in it, and it was very, very interesting to me, but I, I, I stopped it because I didn't think I needed to feed my brain with that. But one thing they said is that people can stay civilized for about five days. So if there's a natural catastrophe, people can stay civilized for five days. If the power goes out, people can stay civilized for about five days. But after five days, you start seeing, if you will, the worst of human behavior because everything becomes a vanilla milkshake. Everything is scarce. And we saw it with toilet paper, with water, or we'd see stuff get taken out and we'd see empty, empty, shelves in the supermarket because people were preparing and that survival instinct came in. And in the world of sales, when you have good times, it's easy to be civilized. But when you have bad times, you see the worst of human behavior. You'll see more selfishness or jealousy or dishonesty. And this goes into the scarcity principle because with the six human needs or with Maslow's hierarchy of needs, the basic human needs that keep us alive need to be met. We need shelter, we need food, we need water. And if those base needs aren't met, we're going to be less civilized. But once we have these base needs met, it's easier to be more civilized. And so this is the need for certainty where human beings have a need for certainty. Well, when, when there's a lack of certainty, when we're talking about, if you will, the dematerialization a brick and mortar business or business disruption, or you, if you talk about businesses with low atomic mass and you talk about jobs disappearing and a lot of stuff going on on the planet, this is, leads to a lack of certainty. So this could create collective anxiety, collective fear, collective scarcity. People are willing to pay more. People that they can go ahead and play on that to make money because they know that the human beings want to survive. And I'm not here to be judgmental whether it's wrong or it's right. I'm just saying this is another perspective for you to consider. 
with the scarcity principle or, or with selfishness or with jealousy. And I think for me, you know, it's so funny. You see these movies and you see the movies like, I can't even remember the movie, but it was a survival movie. And we've all seen the survival movie where there's a little boat in the sea and they, they say, okay, we have this much water and we have this much chocolate. And then the next day they wake up and they go, where's all the chocolate? Where's all the water? And you see the one person looking, they're guilty. And they said, well, I ate it all. And, and I think that that's fairly normal, you know, for people to do that, that selfishness can kick in that survival instinct, them wanting to get their proportion, just like when I was a little boy and I ate mine as fast as I could so I could get my next share. And so it takes consciousness to share when you're feeling scared. It takes consciousness to have the ability to not go into fear or to give to others instead of yourself. And I don't think I've shared this, you know, before on this podcast, but I started fasting as a young man and I learned the power of fasting and I would do this back when I was young. It was called the master cleanse. So it was a simplistic fast where you would have cayenne pepper and maple syrup and, and lemons. And it tasted pretty good. There's still a lot of calories, probably arguably too much sugar in it. But I, I did it for many days in a row. And then I did this, this other cleanse. And then when I did the Mr. Alaska the second time, I went 98 days without a bite of food. And I did it on protein shakes. So it wasn't really a fast. I was still getting nutrition, but I didn't eat any food. And I've learned that I can go a long time with very little. And it's so funny, you know, that we're conditioned to eat three meals. When they go back to the warrior diet or feast or famine, you ate when you could. You didn't have three square meals. That was something that society, a luxury to have three square meals. And sometimes people jokingly say, well, I can see this person's never missed a meal in their life. But are they really hungry or is it just an automated habit that society puts into them? And because I've fortunately had these experiences of fasting, you know, quite a bit and learning that I can go for days without food, or even when I was a young man, I was watching, they used to have talk show hosts when I was young, um, like David Letterman or Johnny Carson, and they had a centurion in there and they said, what's one of your secrets to longevity? And they had said that I eat very little and that we can live on very little food. We can live on very little food. We just don't know we can because we have this dependency on eating and we think that we need to eat this food because we're programmed and conditioned to eat the food. But the vanilla milkshake for me was a very, very interesting experience I had. I felt humiliated, I felt embarrassed and and it allowed me to look at the greedy nature or the selfishness as a little boy that I had in myself. And I think ultimately we're all kids. Even when we're adults, we're still childlike, we're human. We still can be selfish, we still can be jealous, we can be petty. And and not to beat ourselves up for it, but just to understand ourselves or understand our behavior and have our consciousness override the selfishness. The consciousness have the ability to override the jealousy or the pettiness and have the consciousness have the ability to still share even though there's very little or say if I'm in the boat 
and the guy eats all the chocolate and drinks all the water, you know, just accept it. Just accept it. No need to beat this person up. They did what they could. I mean, they get a day ahead of us on the water and the food. So maybe they live a day longer, but probably not because their psychology won't allow them. And this goes into, you know, survival. And we've all heard Darwin's theory that the strong shall survive the longest. The strong shall survive the longest. And what made Tarzan so powerful or the king of the jungle is that his brain and his psychology. So the strongest psychology shall live the longest. The strongest psychology shall live the longest. And when we go into change, you want to have a strong psychology. You want to recognize that when we're in the land of the unknown, when we're in the land of uncertainty, you're more likely to look at everything like it's a vanilla milkshake. You're more likely to look at everything, be willing to pay more because of the scarcity principle. There's more likely to be more selfish or more hoardy and the ability to give uncommonly, give with consciousness, conscientiousness, and that ability to give in spite of what's going on around us and demonstrate this being bigger than this global situation that's going on. So that's the story and the lesson I learned as a kid. I call it the vanilla milkshake. When you get food that you really like and your spouse wants to eat it, just let them know it's a vanilla milkshake. And when they look at you crazy, just tell them to listen to this episode of the podcast. If you like this podcast, please share it, please subscribe, and please give it a five-star rating. How you do anything is how you do everything, and everything matters, and you matter. You make a difference. Have a great day.